history with absolutely no tasting notes. I'm Tim and I'm joined in the virtual pub by my drinking buddy, Ileary. What are you drinking and thinking about today? Hello! I'm in a good mood today. Hi! Um, I have, well, where to start? I'm currently drinking a beer and I've got another beer to open. I've got a bottle of Prosecco and I have some gin knocking around as well. <laughs> That's a mighty selection. Are we talking about all of those things? All of them. It's like a smorgasbord. Uh, we are talking about all of the booze because it's our birthday. Yay! Happy birthday to us. Pen both happy see. Exactly. <clears throat> <laughs> what you just said. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been as good. I've literally got him written in my notes. It's been a year, exclamation mark. Like, it's been a year, but also it's been a year. Ugh, I know. Actually, um, I was listening back through some of our older episodes this week, and I suggested that um, we get together before spring is out to make something. I can't remember what it was. It's a good start. can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but we were discussing some kind of seasonal drink, and it has to be made kind of in the early kind of first few parts of the year and I was like yeah we'll get together before the spring and we'll totally make this and drink it and here I, we are <laughs> I almost did a tally of all the things you said we were gonna do <laughs> in every episode oh we should do blah 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 the number of times you said people are getting bored of either gin or craft beer <laughs> and the number of times you told us about rum bunch I was like I should do a tally of these things like, no, 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 no. She I, knows. I, was, I was gonna do a tally of the number of times I complained about lockdown because <laughs> that was a lot <laughs> it was interesting listening back to the the past year because we have chronicled it in a way that hopefully isn't too painful because we're talking about lots of other stuff as well but I'm so glad to have had this over the past year as something to focus on and be productive about. Because when people go, well, what did you do during the pandemic? And I don't have to feel bad about not learning a language or a musical instrument or something. I can do, be like, well, I made a year's worth of podcasts about booze. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start doing that. Ignore the fact that I've piled the weight on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunate byproduct. Made a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so we thought... The best way to honour uh, having done a year of this would be to do a retrospective as a pub quiz. That's right. So we are going to ask one question per episode. And obviously you can play along, uh, listener, and see how much you remember from the past year. But also we decided to test each other live to see if we remember anything. Because, <laughs> you know, we were there, but it doesn't mean we remember it. So we're going to ask questions on alternate episodes and, uh, yeah, see how we fare with our recall. I am very worried. I'm worried. (laughs) (laughs) Because you have the memory of a sponge and mine is like a sieve. 
we are the polar opposites in this sense. And I've made a conscious effort to really revise. <laughs> I've listened to so many podcasts of us this week. <laughs> Poor you. <sighs> it is actually it quite off-putting. I don't like listening to myself. <clears throat> I love it. I love listening to myself. I can listen to myself all day. <laughs> Which I very often have to for my job, to be honest. Um, I'm not feeling that confident either, to be honest, because a lot of the stuff we covered, I learned brand new. You know, some stuff I already do, but the excitement was being able to go and do the research. So I'm not sure how much of it has stuck. And I'm also not sure what your question writing is like. Because you know what my question writing is like. Because you've been to many pub quiz that I've hosted. But I don't, I haven't had that much experience of you asking questions. Yeah, I mean... I made a conscious effort to try and write questions about the kind of things that I don't think you'd retain. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is what I thought was going to (laughs) happen. I thought this is going to get competitive, isn't it? Um, I should tell you, I am also drinking Prosecco at the moment. But if that changes midway through, I do have a shelf of booze right next to me. So it's all at hand in case I need to. I haven't popped my Prosecco yet. I'm on my beer. But I, mm-hmm. I do have a, like, a reason for this Prosecco being here as well because I just thought I'd come full circle because in episode one, I made that horrendous homemade Prosecco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so I thought I'd treat myself to a nice Prosecco and not just any Prosecco. This bottle of Prosecco is the last bottle of Prosecco that was left over from our wedding. <gasps> So it's a special one. Oh, that is special. That relates to uh, multiple episodes. Mm Mm-hmm. On that note, should we get stuck in then? Let's do it. Because Prosecco is number one and it's yours. It is. I'm going to kick off question one. I'm (laughs) going to repeat myself here. In episode one, we (laughs) took things off with Prosecco. Um, So, we were young and naive enough to think that lockdown would be over by the summer back then. Uh, So we were making lots of pandemic jokes. Uh, But we did actually start our own little theory as to why the pandemic or how the pandemic might have started. Can you remember what that was? Yes, I think. (laughs) Is this when we speculated that it might have come from bubble tea? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if I remember rightly, you told me that there was a like a world record for the largest bubble tea that had been made, and I couldn't. Rem- I was asking, so did they decant, you know, like a portion <laughs> for each, or did people like jump in and get involved? In which case, that's unhygienic. Am exactly. I remembering that right? Exactly that. It was a massive bubble tea, six hundred and eighty liters of it, to be precise. Uh, it was made at a festival in Taipei, and we didn't have answers with regards to did people swim in it and share a straw or have a cup of their own. We don't know. So we still don't know if that's how the pandemic started or not. But that's you're a, correct. Thank you. That's a point to me then, isn't it? I'm going to write that it down. It is. I was just looking for a pen to write that down. Yeah, I'm typing it out. see me. <laughs> okay, I'll let you be scoreboard. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. I'll scoreboard. <laughs> You might have to remind me though as this goes on. All right. Okay, next. In episode two, Quarantini, still very much in the quarantine phase of the podcast. (laughs) In episode two, Quarantini, we celebrated the martini during lockdown. 
You did that by dropping an off-brand Barocca into a wine glass full of vodka. (laughs) But what is the origin of the term quarantine? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Etymology. What does it sound like? Or other languages? It sounds kind of Mexican or Spanish. Spanish flu. (laughs) Something to do with the Spanish flu. (laughs) Okay, no. (laughs) No, quarantine comes from quarantina, meaning 40 days. Oh, yes, now I remember. Quarantina. Used in 14th and 15th century Venetian uh, language, designating the period that all ships were required to be isolated before passengers and crew could then go ashore. That was during the Black Death plague epidemic, not the Spanish flu of the early 20th century. (laughs) Oh, I was so close. (laughs) You were were just there. (laughs) I don't know, it sounds foreign. This episode is not going to be good for me. (laughs) Uh, Let's move on to question three. Um, So in episode three, we discussed wedding drinks. There was a lot of reminiscing about Jaeger bombs with llamas at my wedding. But we did also discuss divorce, um, which led us both to disclose what we would warrant as grounds for divorce. Can you tell me what we both said? You get half a point for each. Um, does this relate to, I think it was in Turkey, there was a rule that a uh, husband had to provide coffee for his wife, mm-hmm. and if he didn't, that was grounds for divorce, and I think I said that I agree with that, and I sympathise. I remember that much. Mm-hmm, you did, you are spot on up until that point, and then you asked me what would kind of push you to that divorce limit and I said what it was and then I asked you the same um okay I'm not sure if I remember what happened after that I imagine your version would have been the same as that but with some kind of booze (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) okay did I say why divorce just push them down the stairs (laughs) no okay well then I was lying at the time (laughs) <laughs> I think that just shows what lockdown's done to us both. <laughs> we were so innocent back then. Now it's like, give me booze, push them down the stairs. <laughs> um, my 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 warrant for divorce was um, somebody consistently making me really weak, pathetic cups of tea. And now I remember what mine is. It was people who leave drinks, like don't finish their drinks. Yes. <laughs> and then you realised mm-hmm. that that was my way of saying you always leave some of your drink when you come out of mine. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember that now. Uh, begrudgingly, you get half a point for that. <laughs> That's very generous. I will take that half point. <laughs> uh, okay, you ready for the next one? Okay. Oh, God. Episode four uh, was... Uh, In episode four, we went to Estonia to Mm. discover our friendship origins, which (laughs) included the first mention of the mythical company Microsoft. (laughs) And my entry into Estonian Eurovision with the toasting song, Terrible Sex. 
But what are the Estonian words for red wine? Ah, I know this one. Punani vein. Yeah! <laughs> Four points. Well done for remembering Punani vein. <laughs> I mean, how could I forget? <laughs> right. Um, I enjoyed finding out when the origins of certain running jokes were. So I was pleased when Microsoft made its first emergence. <laughs> oh, it has been fun listening back. So many good times. <laughs> Oops, dropping my phone while I get the next question up. Um, question five, episode five. Uh, we covered mead and bees. Uh, I shared lots of bee facts and also spoke about my bee project that I have at work. Can you remember the name of the Belgian company that I worked with on the bee project? Um, B. Elgem. <laughs> so close. It was actually biodiversity. Oh, I knew it was something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would never. No, I did not retain that. <laughs> I'm so glad you got one wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's early days. It's early days. <laughs> Uh, Alright, <clears throat> in episode 6 we went to Wimbledon mm -hmm. where I talked about the Wombles and you tried to name every alcoholic tennis player until I edited most of them out to prevent <laughs> us from being guilty of slander. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, it did not make the cut. Most importantly, we discovered the brilliant origins of Pim's. Mm -hmm. Now, I was going to ask you to name all the varieties, but instead I've gone with tell me the two requirements for the version called Glasgow Garden Party. <laughs> I hope that gulp was audible. <laughs> <laughs> um... I really thought you'd remember this one. It's very you. Don't rub it in. Um, I can't think of anything that's not going to be probably very offensive to people from Scotland. <laughs> oh, it's offensive. Um, a headbutt and a kebab. <laughs> not that offensive. <laughs> I mean, let's go for mild stereotyping. <laughs> No, the two requirements are iron brew and absolutely no garnish. Oh, I'd rather I had better than a kebab, to be honest. <laughs> oh, um, no. <laughs> so the, the versions of Pim's, just because I was going to ask you, but I'm not. Because <laughs> I thought, no way. The Pim's number one is the most famous one, the gin. Pim's number two is scotch whiskey. Pim's number three is brandy. Pim's number four was dark rum. Number five is rye whiskey. Six is vodka. And number seven was tequila. <laughs> Head button. Kebab. Not kebab in sight. <laughs> not, not a single one. Oh, um, God, I'm so sorry if my <laughs> Scottish friends are listening to this. <laughs> Oh, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 7. Mounts and Mollies. It was one of my favourites because it was so gay. 
Um, I had the chance to talk about one of my favourite drinks, Mount Gay Rum. Mm -hmm. And we particularly enjoyed the name of the owner of Mount Gay. Can you remember his name? Yes. Um, I don't know his name. Because you pronounced it wrong and I corrected you. (laughs) I remember that. I don't think you can get it because I think you're getting confused with um, not the owner but the guy who it was named after. Oh. So there was a guy who um, his name was something I can't remember his first name but his middle name was Gay and his surname was I kept saying Elaine. Oh yeah, Alan. Alan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like something Gay Alan. Yeah. That's who it's named after. Um, but the owner oh. of Mount Gay Ram. Hieronymus. Nope. Oh, that's another episode. <laughs> <laughs> His name was John Sober. Oh no, I wasn't. Go- I wasn't going that direction at all. Yeah, you. Um, you just like the fact that somebody owned a distillery and his name was Sober. I still do like that <clears throat> fact, even if I didn't remember it. Maybe I will now. <laughs> right. Uh, in episode eight, cheers, we explored toasts throughout history and across the world. This is the origin episode for Chinits. <laughs> Although, on listening back, I did notice that actually I said Neckit in episode one. So I started Was that when Neckit. I was drinking my bad Prosecco. Yeah, exactly. Because you were having so many disgusting drinks, I said neck it. In episode eight, it turned into chin it, and chin it has remained. (laughs) Chin it. (laughs) So your related question to that is... Oh, gosh. What does chin chin really mean, and where does it come from? Oh, I seem to remember it was from, like... I think it was an Asian thing. That's one point. Well, I can't remember. Does it mean like hello or welcome? <laughs> no, you're in the right ballpark. So you get one point for Asian. It's it's East Asian, <laughs> um, but it is various countries. It imitates the sound of glasses clinking, but it does mean please, please. Oh, damn it. You can have one point for that. So close. <laughs> I was closer than my head button, the kebab and the Spanish Yeah, food, exactly. So I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just giving you one point for saying Asian as opposed to foreign. <laughs> or anything less. <laughs> Back to you. Oh, God. <laughs> Back to me. Uh, where are we? Episode nine? Mm-hmm. Yes, episode nine. We went on a bibender. Uh, we explored the boozy origin of the Michelin Man. You told me about how his appearance has changed over the years, which inspired me to concoct a modern rebrand. I suggested four key aspects for the 2020 Michelin Man. What were they? Okay, I remember you rebranded him as a hipster. (laughs) He had a top knot. Yes. Um, He probably had... Like a, a scooter or something. <laughs> I, 
I think my words were a douchebag bike. So yeah. Okay, so yeah. That's bike. what I was picturing. <laughs> Did you have something? Oh, um, uh, vape pen. Yes, instead of a cigar, yeah. and a vape. Did you replace the monocle with anything, or was the monocle hipster enough? That's hipster. Enough, yeah, I thought so. It was a bag of something. Like a tote bag. A Hessian bag. I mean, he's not going to be carrying plastic. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, a bag of seasonal vegetables in his Hessian tote. Oh, I'm going to let you have that point. It was a bag of avocados. <laughs> oh, okay, there we go. Yeah, that's pretty close. Come on, that's good recall. <laughs> yeah. That was very good. I'm impressed. What do I get for that? You can have that point. One point. One point. One point. Yeah, one point. <laughs> so harsh. <laughs> I'm already trailing. Come on. <laughs> Only by half a point. <laughs> oh, okay, good. In episode 10, we mostly recalled our experience with absinthe. It's history and its depictions in art. What green fairy fact did you say would make a good pub quiz trivia question? Oh, was it the one about um, Kylie Minogue being um, the green fairy? It's a bit more than that. I thought I'd nailed that. So it's Moulin Rouge. She's a fairy. <laughs> this is your own fault. You literally said this will make a great pub quiz trivia question. No <laughs> oh, crap. I've preempted all of this and I've failed. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I I I'm giving myself half a point for seeing Kylie. Well, it's not, it's not up to you. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, you're not getting any more out of me. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, the number of times of an evening you said that. Yeah, you're not getting any more out of me. That's it. <laughs> I'm done. Put me to bed. Yeah. Give me kebab. Headbutt me. I'm done. <laughs> it's that, at that point, you're usually under a duvet on my sofa anyway. Um, <laughs> right. It was that in Moulin Rouge, Kylie, the Green Fairy goes evil and turns into Ozzy Osbourne. Ah, oh, yes. Damn it. I will give you half a point for that. Thanks. Thanks. Have you have <laughs> you seen Moulin Rouge yet? Nope. <laughs> I'd have given you a bonus point if you had. But uh, oh, no dice. No, no dice. <laughs> Damn it. I'm sure I probably said in that episode as well that I'm going to go and watch Moulin Rouge. Oh yeah, it was, it was one of the many <laughs> hundreds of things you had planned for us. <laughs> Uh, episode 11 we uh we talked about yeast a lot Mm -hmm. and much to my surprise it was this episode that led you to tell me that you actually felt aroused (laughs) (laughs) yeah do you remember why this isn't the (laughs) this isn't the question but i mean it could have been other side (laughs) It could have been any any number of things to do with yeast. Uh, <laughs> most likely, it would have been marmite, something to do mm-hmm. with marmite and the varieties of it. Mm-hmm. Oh no! And it was right was it there. just the volume, the volume of like balm that was delivered from breweries into two marmites they could keep on producing? Yes, 
So we discussed the shortage. um, And I was telling you about how Carlsberg, one of the, I think it was the Northumberland site of Carlsberg, had delivered um, a lot of brewer's yeast to Marmite because so many people were freaking out because of the shortage. Mm. (laughs) For some reason, you were like, I'm so aroused by that. (laughs) I do remember that. In fact, it was only this week I saw Marmite post on their social medias that um, kind of ser- normal service is being resumed with the pubs reopening and more beer being produced. They said it was all going back to normal. I haven't actually had Marmite in the cupboard for a long time because I hadn't been able to get it anywhere. I didn't put two and two together, but it's there still that. <laughs> there you go. Well, my question... Oh, is, do I not get a point for that? Already... Uh, no, you just oh, get to... I've already added a point. Might be aroused again. <laughs> I've already added a point onto my score, so let's see what happens now. Oh, do you want the chance of a bonus point then? Okay. Well, let's see if I can re- keep bon- this point. <laughs> the the point is four. Um, could you tell me the exact percentage of the brewer's yeast Carl Dweck said they'd sent to a uh, Marmite? No, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, percent? Uh, do you mean like the? Percentage so of yeast the... that Marmite uses. No, so it was um, the Northumberland Carlsberg brewery site mm. were obviously not producing as much as necessary during lockdown. Mm-hmm. And so they did have a large amount of brewer's yeast there. So they kept some of it to keep brewing what they needed. The rest they sent to Marmite. Oh, I see. What was so the percentage of their, their percentage is based on Marmite's percentage. Mm-hmm. Was it something like 80%? You can totally keep that point. It was 87%. All oh, right, cool. Yeah, I will keep that point for that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm aroused again just thinking about it. That's all it needs. Mm. Okay. In episode 12, we went on pirate adventures and learned some sailor slang. For example... We found that three sheets to the wind means the highest level of drunkenness. But what mm-hmm. is a scuttlebutt? Mm. I remember this because I bloody love pirates. It was something to do. So the butt is a barrel, mm-hmm. and scuttle is like cutting stuff or chopping the barrels up. Yes. That's what it That's is, and so what would they have used that for? Drinking out of? <laughs> yes. I mean, I will give you the full point for that much. I was just wondering if you like specifically remembered what what they drank out of it. Rum. <laughs> <laughs> you would water. It was oh, their okay. it was their version of the water cooler where they would go and exchange their gossip and so forth. But you gave me enough info, definitely. The butt is the barrel. Scuts means to chop. Scuts. Scuts all means to chop a hole in something. So you can totally have a point for that. Yeah, I listened to the pirate one like two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd remember that one best of all, anyway, because it seemed to capture your um, imagination the most. Because it's pirates. <laughs> <laughs> Such a child. <laughs> uh, today that we're recording it is Saturday, which means we should yes. toast to our families. 
Yes. Um, or our wives and sweethearts, may they never meet, if you prefer. May they never meet. <laughs> I think I'll toast to the family time. instead, because yes. I know they're listening. Cheers to family. I'm going to pretend it's Wednesday and toast to myself. I'm sure your family will be delighted when they hear this. <laughs> but utterly unsurprised. <laughs> Do you know what? My mum actually said to me the other night, she was like, oh, I can't sleep. It was like 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. I can't sleep. Um, I'm going to put my headphones in and listen to something. And I was like, well, listen to the podcast. And she was like, oh yeah, that will put me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, thanks. Wow, that's some pretty, <laughs> that's some pretty direct shade right there. I actually Hi, do have a friend Grace. who um, has said something similar, actually. They said, oh, I listen to you as I'm going to sleep. I actually find your voices quite relaxing. <laughs> it's like, oh. Relaxing. Sure. Thanks, friend. Sure. It's, no- it's nothing to do with the excess amounts of history I give you. <laughs> I've got quite a monotone voice as well. I've noticed that listening back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a voice for podcasts. <laughs> Ah, episode 13, question 13. It was spooky time, it was Halloween. Um, So we discussed pumpkin spice lattes for some time. And we (laughs) stumbled across our new kind of overused term, which is Uh (laughs) mouthfeel. It was when we were talking about um, Starbucks opting to use a pumpkin kind of like rather than syrup because it gave a better mouthfeel um, but during that episode I also shared another pretty gross sounding industry term with you can you remember what it was was it um, felching <laughs> I don't know what industry you're in mate but <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was really hoping that you were going to ask me a question about a horror film. Um. Well, that was the thing. <laughs> I know. It was stuff like this. It was like Halloween, Shakespeare, he's going to be all over this, so I've got to think outside the box. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yes. Share of throat. Yes. A term that companies use to explain how their brand is kind of performing compared to other brands is put up on a lovely pie chart that shows the share of throat. (sighs) That makes me feel good. We're at the interval. We're at the halfway stage. So (laughs) that makes me feel good because I just managed to go a point up on you. I'm on uh, four and a half and you're on three and a half at the halfway stage. It feels right that you managed to take the lead on share of throat. (laughs) It's on my LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, cheers, cheers to the halfway point. Cheers, chin chin. We made it to uh, East Asia. Made it to Halloween. I thought um, (laughs) at the halfway stage, just to throw a little bit of uh, tradition in there, I'd just do a little quick spot on pub quizzes. Sure. Are you going to embarrass me and talk about whose bag is that? No, we've done that. (laughs) No, I thought I'd I'd look into kind of if there was much history of the pub quiz. 
Mm. And um, I think there's, there's quite a famous story that the word quiz um, was invented by a Dublin theatre proprietor who made a bet that a nonsense word could be made known throughout the city within 48 hours and that it was the public mm. who would give it meaning and he'd written it up on walls all over the city. So that's kind of like quite a famous story that you will you will hear a lot when you ask people, what's the origin of the word quiz? This one comes up. Uh, it's not true. <laughs> There's no evidence to support that as a theory and more to the point... Uh, we have recorded uses of the word quiz prior to that um, by a few years, by a couple of decades. So it was not a nonsense word that was created uh, in Ireland. The earliest known examples of the word quiz go back to 1780. And its exact etymology actually isn't known, which is why something like that wild story could kind of come to pass. But it probably originated in student slang. So it initially meant... Uh, an odd or eccentric person. Uh, it was known as a, a joke or a hoax as well. And But then later on, probably as well in association with um, words like inquisitive, it comes to mean to observe and to study intently. So I think an odd person who studies intently is uh, good, <laughs> a good provenance of something like quiz and inquisitive. So from about the mid-19th century, that's when we definitely know it comes to mean a test or a exam. And a exam, an exam. <laughs> the pub quiz, though, much more recent in its origins, and so therefore much more recorded. Would it surprise you to learn um, that we're going to 1976? Oh, that is a lot later than I thought. Yeah, me too. So this is the earliest example we have of pub quizzes really being a thing. And it is in Britain. It's in southern England. And it was um, started by a company called Burns and Porter, Sharon Burns and Tom Porter. And they organised 32 pub quiz teams in three leagues initially and expanded it over the next few years. And they presented quizzes that you know they had devised to breweries and it was a marketing strategy to bring customers to pubs on their slow evenings which it still is like you still find mm -hmm. that pub quizzes you know they're not going to be on friday and saturday nights they're always no, on it's always sunday spread throughout the other nights when it's going to be quieter yeah exactly so this was kind of devised by a marketing company in the 70s as a way to get people into pubs on the quieter nights it really took off Within a few years, they had over 10,000 teams playing um, in their quizzes every week in the season. And then in the 1980s, we get the release of Trivial Pursuit, uh, which becomes really popular. So I think partly the uh, popularity of the pub quiz is bolstered by Trivial Pursuit as well. In 1988, they're successful. They sell off to another kind of leisure corp. Sharon Burns, one of the original founders, um, does some quizzes for charity still but she actually runs her own business now um and a vineyard called sour grapes in <laughs> hampshire so still very much in the uh in the thinking drinking realms <laughs> yeah the largest pub quiz according to guinness book of records was the quiz for life held at flanders expo in ghent 
in December 2010, which had 2,280 participants. And I thought, I can't for a second believe that the largest pub quiz was not in Britain, being how British it is. I found out that there was something called the world famous pub quiz in Birmingham, ain't you bastards, uh, which had 2,700 participants across 260 teams in August 2016. So I think that was the biggest pub quiz, but it just wasn't in accordance with Guinness Book of Records. That's why it isn't listed. Right, right. I said it's... I did an audible sigh when you said Ghent, just because I, I bloody love Ghent. Oh, it's such a good place. <laughs> Have you spent much time in Ghent? I've never been to Ghent. <gasps> oh, uh, I'm going to do the old cliche of saying... We should totally go to Ghent. <laughs> it wouldn't be an episode if you didn't make a plan for us that we never did. <laughs> no, we will do Ghent. Ghent is I'm, fantastic. I'm going to make a request of you for... Uh, I'm going to give you a deadline of, like, this summer to create a portfolio of all the things you said we were going to do <laughs> throughout the podcast, and I want it drawn up as a plan. <laughs> it's going to be wild. I feel like that episode of It's Always Sunny, you know, when... That famous gif now with the wardrobe. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be that. <laughs> yes, exactly that. I want that for my birthday present, please, in August. So you've got until then. Okay. I'm going to do it in the form of a terrible PowerPoint presentation as well. Just for added value. Your face is saying no. All right, I want. <laughs> do you not want a PowerPoint? Oh, you disappeared for... Uh... About 10 seconds then. I was waxing lyrical about PowerPoint. Okay, well, <laughs> sad I missed that. Uh, <laughs> shall I just move on? Fine, fuck you, you're not getting a PowerPoint. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't hear any of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was really excitedly telling you that I'm going to put it all into a PowerPoint for your birthday and you were just sitting there with no expression like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I would really like that. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> That sounds good. <laughs> uh, um, I said that, you know, pub quiz is a really big thing in the UK. Just to prove the point, I found a study of how many weekly pub quizzes there are. It's about 10 years old, but still. So in the US, regular weekly uh, quizzes, there are about 2,000. In mm-hmm. the UK, there are 22,500. Um, yeah, so there are... There are kind of theories as to why Britain loves pub quizzes so much more than everywhere else. Um, a lot of that is to do with the psychology of us loving facts as opposed to theorising, which I think is just kind of shade from European philosophers, but may also be true given our education system. Um, but I think that it's more that we struggle to let our guard down a bit socially and in combination with the pub and having some beverages, also having a pub quiz gives us something to talk about and talk around without having to sort of make personal banter when we're not quite ready for it. That's my theory. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> Any other thoughts? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to add anything else about pub quizzes before we get into the second half? Um... I feel like we should brag about our pub quiz. Uh, well, it's not really a pub quiz, actually. It was the Dead Man's Hand stuff. 
I'm just really proud of our trophy that we share. <laughs> right. <laughs> you just want to brag about a time that we won a uh, sort of murder mystery I thing. won a trophy. <laughs> yeah. We did a murder mystery interactive treasure hunt clue finding thing around Bermondsey. And absolutely nailed it. There were loads of teams of multiple people and it was just Tim and myself rocked up, probably a bit drunk, and won. I love that you've missed. I love that you've misremembered where it was. It was actually, um, it was actually in Farringdon. Oh we yeah, the one in Bermondsey. <laughs> we massively fucked up. <laughs> we completely forgot a whole set of clues in the one in Bermondsey. And yeah, but Zadie was with us, so we can blame our friend Zadie. Whereas yeah, when it was just thanks, the two Zadie. of us in Farringdon, we nailed it. <laughs> oh, I bet Zadie's fooling. Yeah, I bet she is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to go into the personal stuff about pub quizzes, really, because I don't, I couldn't figure out how interesting it was. But obviously, I hosted hundreds and hundreds of pub quizzes uh, yeah. now in my time. But like back in the the day when I, well, I first started it when I was at, uh, working at a cinema at university, and my Sunday job was to write the film quiz because we used to have a weekly film quiz in the cinema, and I'd write and host it, and that was a great shift mm-hmm. to have. All I had to do was sit in the office, come up with trivia questions, and then go upstairs to the bar and have a have a beer and then chat to the friendly locals. Um, and then running kind of a, a, a sort of interactive, crafty quiz called Quiz and Paste in the years mm-hmm. after that, which now seems so ubiquitous that every pub quiz has some sort of craft round. But I don't want to sound too much like an I did it before that hipster, but it really wasn't that common back in sort of 2008 when I started doing it that we had so many silly interactive rounds. Um, And that was really good fun to do. And then as a result of that, I did all manner of sort of corporate corporate quizzes and um, charity gigs and stuff. Like I would go and do the annual one at Google and all sorts of kind of... Would you, uh, would you do it again? Would you do some more? Do some more... Kind of quiz and paste interactive ones. Or your quiz day's done in that sense. I don't mind doing the occasional one. I think they're still really good fun. Um, it can be a bit of a chore to do it on a regular basis. Only because I put so much into it. So I really don't like the franchise quizzes. You know, when you go to a pub and they, they give out a, a sheet that's been printed by a host company and the person hosting it, and, you know, this is an insult, but also, you know, I say the, the person hosting it is generally an out-of-work actor, which <laughs> I was when I was doing the quizzes, but I also loved quizzing. Whereas the difference with mm-hmm. these franchise ones is the person asking the question generally can't even pronounce half of the things on the quiz questions. And, they, yeah. and the reason it's so annoying is because sometimes questions are contentious. Um, you know, often they are in pub quizzes. People want to argue with you about the answer. And mm-hmm. if you haven't written it yourself, if you haven't done the research, you don't really have that authority to say, no, this is right or no, this is wrong or I see your point. I'll give you half a point or whatever. And, and mm-hmm. that's always um, a bad dynamic, I think. So I don't like those franchise ones, which means that I prefer the quizzes where people really know their stuff and they're asking it because 
that you know they know the answers from experience but that's a lot more work and so the cost often isn't really worth it to do it regularly you know there have been court cases over arguments on publicities <laughs> in britain no there was a slander case that went to court um <laughs> i think it was in dorset about 10 years ago and one of the teams accused the quiz master of changing the answers so that they didn't have to give away the jackpot they created they called the police first of all dropped that but then created a website to slag off the quiz master and say that they had cheated the quiz master took them to court for slander and won so they got a few hundred quid out of that um but regularly, I see it regularly that fights break out at pub quizzes. Like people take that thing seriously. So, if you are hosting a pub quiz, always know your sources. Like never make it seem like you're disregarding their opinion or you're just making it up. Always be ready to show them the answer. That's my tip. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot of work, actually. Mm-hmm. Right, should we crack on? All right, part two. Mm-hmm. Um, what normally happens in the interval of a pub quiz? Everyone goes for a wee um, and a cigarette, if that's your thing. Traditionally, you get roast potatoes. Mm. Sorry, I don't mind for a beer then, but I was going to say. Um, <laughs> so can I just say the, the image? The image I had as you go, sorry, I had a mouthful of beer was clutching a bottle of Prosecco. <laughs> 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 well, I wanted to finish. I was frantically trying to finish my beer to open my fizz for round two. Yeah, um, continue. Because, <laughs> you know, you go to the bar in the interval and uh, of course. get another drink. You go to the bar and get another drink. Um, you get another I... whole bottle of Prosecco for yourself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do really like when pubs still do that roast potato thing. Um, I, yes. I have one not far from me, actually. Over the river in Wapping, there's a pub that always does roast potatoes at the interval, and I really appreciate it. There's, um, well, pretty much the majority of the pubs in Wales will bring out roast potatoes and a whole bunch of other stuff um, half-time during the rugby, which is great. Yes, rugby there. Okay. Oh, shut up. I'm up under my face. <laughs> <laughs> I did it audible <laughs> with that. <laughs> Your face when you're doing that, it's like you're in the Hurt Locker. <laughs> it's like it's, actually... it's like Catherine Bigelow directed you opening that bottle of Prosecco. <laughs> There's a picture of me on New Year's Eve opening a bottle of Prosecco with my little, I've got like a really cute little like kind of fake fur jacket on and a New Year's Eve headpiece tiara thing. And I'm opening a bottle of Prosecco and my friend Tom is stood next to me and it's the exact same face. The <laughs> <laughs> Everyone around me looks so happy and I'm just like, shit, 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 shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to dig that out. When, when, we, when we post this one, I'll put the picture on. <laughs> <laughs> you that? Mm. Oh, you like that? Mm? Okay, stop. <laughs> I didn't like that. <laughs> I don't that wasn't it. for me. <laughs> Unsubscribe. <laughs> Block. <laughs> uh, are we ready for more questions? Yeah, it's me. 
Okay. Here we go. In episode 14, we played about with pub games. I told you about people being chased with dirty rags in Dwyle flunking. And Mm -hmm. you told me about rugby lads putting things in their bum. One of your favourites is darts. Can you tell me which precursor to the pub version of darts was banned and why? Precursor to darts. I remember we talked about a lot of horrible blood sports in this episode. So is it one of those? (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Still involving darts. Okay. Were people... Were people doing it in pubs and hurting each other? No. Well, yes, they were doing it in pubs. No, they weren't hurting each other. I've got two answers. Okay. (laughs) Give me either of them. Javelin and archery. Right. No and no. Uh, Ah, okay. No. So if you... I just saw neither of those are going to go down well in a pub. If you... (laughs) <laughs> if you go back to around 1500s, like archery was the precursor to darts in terms of the way they played it. But no, immediately before the pub version of darts was a version called puff and dart, which was when the darts were blown out of blowpipes rather than thrown. But it was banned because too many people were sucking them. Sucking them, I remember now. And then choking. Shit. See, I thought you might remember that one. The other question I toyed with, which I was like... We did talk about archery, though, right? We did, yeah. As I say, it was like around the 1500s they used to do that. So the other question I was toying with, asking you, and I was like, no, that's too cruel, is the question I asked you in this episode, which was, do you know how many permutations there are of the dartboard design? Oh, it was something stupid, like hundreds of billions or something. (laughs) Yeah, which is better than the just... answer you gave last time. <laughs> what did I say, like 12? <laughs> yeah, a couple of dozen. No, I remember it being a number that I wouldn't have even been able to write down. Yeah, 19 factorial is the fair way to describe this number. But it was... Um... Do you know what? I'm not even going to read it out. <laughs> it's 19 factorial. If, in, in pure numbers, it's 12164510048832000. That's how many. I was... <coughs> excuse me. I was closer to that than I was. You're choking. Yeah. Have you been puffing and darting? <laughs> You've got to remember to blow, hun. Blow. It's going to be my excuse for uh, not having COVID. No, sorry, it's not... Covid. I've been playing puff and darts. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks when I should have puffed. <sighs> I think we should move on. Okay. Yeah. Good idea. Um, episode fifteen was, I think, around the time of my birthday because we were talking about Beaujolais. Uh, I was complaining during that episode because Chris had put my bottle of Beaujolais in the fridge, and I was. Annoyed because it was red wine and it needn't have been in the fridge. But you corrected me. You said, no, Beaujolais should be in the fridge. Um, You let me know what temperature is best to serve Beaujolais at. What temperature is it? Is it about 
eight degrees. No. Is it eleven degrees? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I said eight, I was like, no, that's what I can see as the top number on my actual fridge. I was like, it's not that. Because <laughs> I remembered yeah. then saying, perhaps not for long. Okay. Eleven. Can I get a well point for done. that? It was my second guess, but of all the temperatures it could have been. <laughs> yeah, no, that was good. Well done, you. Um, we recorded Beaujolais Day before it was happening. Like, what was it mm-hmm. like in your car? Was it completely cancelled or did anyone still try to have a bit of it? Um, there were... So the pubs were open. You could go inside a pub. But I think it was, like, the rule of six, maybe, mm. at the time. And there were, like, no walk-ins, etc., etc. So social distancing was in place, rule of six, bookings only. So it was just a limited number of people in each bar restaurant. So it was a very subdued affair. They didn't have the usual, you know, marquees full of people bursting out onto the streets. And it was more just people went out for a meal, got dolled mm-hmm. up and drank some wine. Probably got a bit boozy, but it, I think... You know, it was November last year. I think it was just a treat to be out of the house, to be honest. Yeah. So it wasn't messy. <laughs> Everyone was kind of in the same boat. You know, that was the episode I listened back to where I thought, perhaps I should have edited that one harder. Because there was that really <laughs> controversial story. <laughs> but, um... Oh my God, the woman that shit is yeah, Oh yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to repeat it, but there we go. <laughs> that one, I was like, oh, I don't think I should have left that one in. <laughs> but I was... That's I the thing, yeah. it's like... I can't think of Beaujolais without thinking of that because don't don't tell the story again. We don't we don't need to go back. No no no, I'm not going to go through that again. <laughs> but it's just, I think everyone my age is kind of who who's lived in Wales has just grown up with Beaujolais being a day that they go down and get absolutely hammered. Whereas I came home and I was quite naive to it all, and I was like, what's this then? <laughs> and that was my kind of first exploration into Beaujolais. <laughs> With that note, we are on to the festive period. (laughs) (laughs) So in episode 16, that was the first of our mould two-parter. So we heard all about the ways that Santa is treated to a seasonal beverage, from sherry and beer to milk and water. But can you tell me, why was early mould wine called Hippocras? I'm just going to go straight out and say no. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. You cannot tell me why. I I cannot remember. It features a phrase (laughs) that you particularly enjoyed. All I've got is chin it, mouth feel and share of throat right now. (laughs) (laughs) Does nutbag not ring a bell? Oh, nutbags. Yes. Oh. What can you tell me about that? What can I remember about nutbags? So it was like the spices were strained like a tea bag through this nutbag thing. Yes. I remember there being a nutbag and everything was strained through it. 
That's correct. And why would that have been called Hippocrass? Was that the other name for the bag? <laughs> Not just nut bag. <laughs> it's because it was used um, for medicinal tinctures by Hippocrates, so. who is the father of medicine. So they would call it Hippocrass because it was brewed. It was named after him, essentially, after Hippocrates. I don't know if I can even go to half a point for that. I mean, you sort of remembered the use of the nutbag, but I had to prompt you on the nutbag. I'm going to give you a quarter of a point, which might make all the difference. Who knows? I'm going to come back in school. (laughs) Did your teachers used to give you quarter points? Oh, yeah. I definitely had that patronising thing of like, well, you managed to remember this once I told you 75% of it. (laughs) Well done. Episode 17 was part two of our Christmas special. We were talking about wassailing. Um, You told me, obviously, all about wassailing. And then I shared the weird and wonderful tradition of Mary Lloyd here in Wales, which is essentially a rap battle with a really scary horse. Can you remember what happens if you lose the rap battle with Mary Lloyd? I was hoping you were just going to ask me what it was called, and I remembered it was called Mary Lloyd. Um, (laughs) Do you... Now, I get confused between that and the Scandinavian one, which is where they have to then be let into your house. um, (laughs) And you have to... There's there's one where they have to go into your house. There's one where you have to feed them or give them booze. Um... I'm not sure if that was the Mary Lloyd one. I think both of those are just Scandinavian. Am I am I warm in that territory, or is is that not it? What's the score? <laughs> <laughs> that the score is irrelevant. The score is irrelevant. You are you are warm. Am I moist? <laughs> you are damp. <laughs> oh. Um. So I think, I guess for the Welsh one, I will go with, like, you have to give them booze. I'm going to give you half a point because, one, shit's getting competitive, and two, you're halfway there. So if you lose your rap battle with Mary Lloyd, she gets to enter your home Mm -hmm. and raids your pantry for food and I totally said all that. <laughs> you weren't sure and you didn't come in. I said all that. Come on. I said all, right, all those fine, things. Have you a point, looked, have a point. I said all those things and you looked at me like I was talking nonsense. I was like, have I confused that for Scandinavia? I'm having a Can point. Can I get half a point for my poker face? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Fine, you can have a point. You got it right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, oh, we've got to sober up now. It's uh, episode 18, which was about oh, water. God, way too late. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need help. Uh, in episode 18, water, we tortured you by making... I didn't want to say water tortured because I watched the Mauritanian <laughs> last night and it just... I was, didn't intend that to be part of that message. Anyway, um, we tortured you by making you think about your day job. And learned that the origins of spring water lay in the pagan and Christian worship of holy wells and were later bottled and sold by Jackson's Spa in Boston in 1767. 
but can you tell me who first sold bottled sparkling water? I think I know this. Mm-hmm. Was it Perrier? No! Oh, no, it wasn't. Do you want to have another go and pretend that never happened? I listened to this one not long ago. Sorry, that was my thinking noise. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about Schweppes as well. Schweppes? Is that your answer? Yeah, what's it? She oh got God. a point. So yeah, here was the background. Um, Joseph Priestley, who I went out on about because I liked him as a scientist, discovered oxygen in 1775, and he contributed to that. So he was the one who had who first dissolved carbon dioxide in water. He got the Copley Medal in 1773, and then he went on to work with Johann Jakob Schweppes, the founder of Schweppes. And so they developed aerated waters for commercial sale. So it was Schweppes with and via Joseph Priestley. I will give you a point for that because... Yay! Although it took a little while, she got there, and um, that deserves praise. (laughs) So patronising. Let me get my questions out. Where are we next? Uh, get your questions out for the lads. <laughs> well, we are on episode 19. Mm. Oh, we, we talked about how much we missed coffee shops. Oh, yeah. In episode 19. It was the Penny University episode, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, y- you were actually really interested in that episode. We <laughs> talked about episode, the Penny University <laughs> For for a change, you were really interesting. (laughs) I found what you said of notes. Not for a change, more than usual. (laughs) I thoroughly enjoyed the Penny University's episode. But I just felt a bit lesser because you were very interested and I just talked about weird cafes. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'd researched was just weird coffee shops and cafes around the world. Um, speaking of which, can you remember what was unique about the cafe in Paddington that we talked about? Oh, this is, is this the cafe that never came to be? Mm-hmm. Because the proposal was that you would be able to get a coffee and a blowjob. Yes. <sighs> <laughs> I actually listened back to that a couple of days ago while I was finishing off my questions. <laughs> and you were more taken aback by the fact that they have iPads <laughs> than the whole fellatio thing. <laughs> no, I remember, I remember being disgusted by the fact that they'd chosen to decorate it in a Baroque style while using yeah. iPads and I was like that's not a good design decision but you're right like think, the, the fact that there were blowjobs were way down on my list I didn't like other things about the concept <laughs> yeah but it, I, I think the way it comes across when you're listening it it sounds like you're like what iPads <laughs> but it's not it's the fact that in your head 
<laughs> I think in your head, for want of a better word, you were thinking, <laughs> oh, this is like, <laughs> this concept is so messed up, it's got to be really, really old. So the fact that I said iPads, you were like, wait, whoa, this is modern? But the way it came across when I was listening back, you were like, iPads? <laughs> Please don't be critiquing my head. How's your head? <laughs> there have been some complaints. Uh. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, in episode 20, Agave, we found the roots of pulque in Mesoamerican agriculture and legend. And mm-hmm. then tequila and mezcal with the Spanish conquest. Now, with your usual cultural sensitivity, you referred to one of the local deities as Twat Crotch. <laughs> <laughs> there... <laughs> Their real name was Tla- <laughs> I can just there are visuals that the folks can't see. <laughs> You did a very vigorous pouring of your Prosecco while I was reading that out. And just, okay. Um, <clears throat> the deity that you referred to as Twatcrotch, their real name was Tlaquache. But who was Tlaquache? Oh, god damn it. All I wanted from this episode was for you to mock me about Atakma. <laughs> I genuinely thought that would be the answer to whatever you'd come up with. <laughs> So, so what's the question? Who's Twatcrotch? <laughs> who is this? Where am I? Can you hear me? Um, who is who, Twatcrotch? Who was Tlaquache, or as you called them, Twatcrotch? Um, he invented mezcal. <laughs> Founded mezcal. Founded mezcal. I even said in the introduction to this that Mezcal came with the Spanish conquest. Oh, for God's sake. I even said that. (laughs) I was pouring my Prosecco. (laughs) You you listened to half of that. Because I I honestly, I thought, oh, it's the tequila round. It's going to be a tack man. (laughs) (laughs) I've got this. (laughs) You don't got this. I really don't. Shall I, I have just no tell idea. you? Shall I just yeah, tell you? please do. Oh, yeah, my misery. Tlaquache <laughs> was in Mesoamerican deities the first drunk. It was the opossum who created the meandering rivers in South America. Yes. So he was supposed he created the rivers, but supposedly was drunk, and so that's why they twist from bar to bar as the opossum was going there. Oh, I remember. I really liked that story as well. Shame you couldn't remember it. <laughs> Can't remember much at all, to be honest. <laughs> While I'm on a roll and being unnecessary, should we talk about Tiki? Yes, please. <laughs> Speaking of cultural sensitivity. <laughs> episode 21 mm-hmm. was our Tiki episode. Uh, we discussed the Singapore Sling cocktail. Mm. I had that on my honeymoon. Um it was brought up by you, actually, that the Singapore Sling predates the tiki movement. I wasn't aware of this. Yes. 
Do you remember the exact date that the Raffles Hotel created the Singapore Sling? I'm not going easy on you. <laughs> right. No is the answer. <laughs> um, but Tiki, as we know, kind of really took off after the Second World War because of Americans being stationed in the South Pacific. The hard cocktails were sort of around the 10s and 20s and the like really historic sort of like gin and other stuff in the 19th century. Now, a Singapore sling is gin and some fruit. So, <clears throat> I think it's going to come somewhere between the hard, like the really hard liquor ones of the 20s and the gin sort of punches of the previous century. So I'm going to say 1910. I really enjoyed your work in this. Okay, thank you. Was it all wrong? No, it was very close. It was 1915. Oh! Mm. That's got to be worth half a point, surely. Absolutely half a point. Oh, thank you. Snaffle it up. I worked for that one. (laughs) (laughs) I really did. In episode 22, we went into space to see what astronauts drink and how scientists are testing ageing in space and drinks in sci-fi. Can you remember which drink emerged as the top choice for US astronauts in the 1970s but never made it into the space programme? I think it is Sherry. Yeah! Yeah! Correct. It was sherry. Um, Because they reasoned that it travels well, you know, like nautically it had travelled well, so they thought it would um, be okay going to space. When they trialled it, it made a few people nauseous. And also there was a PR backlash to sending booze into space, so it never actually happened. Um, Proud. In that episode, we also talked about wine that had been sent into space to test, you know, kind of like how it ages um, in space and whether it makes a difference. That wine that we said, oh, that's been sent in and it will be tasted, has since that episode returned to Earth and been tasted. How did it go? So um, they had experts in Bordeaux kind of analyse the content. It was a Chateau Petros Merlot 2000 uh, taken up in the SpaceX capsule. And they said that they found there was a difference in both the colour and the aromatics and also in the taste. They said it just felt a little bit older, a bit more evolved than the wine that had remained on Earth. um, And saying that the tannins were more evolved and had a more floral character. The experts apparently tasted the wine alongside another glass of the same variety so that it was a fair comparison before they were told which was which. So it was a blind testing. So they said essentially that the adventure into space has added about two to three years maturity to the drink. That was their reasoning. But that's that's quite a good story compared to like some of the other experiments we'd heard about where the whiskey was sent up and it tasted like crap. But the wine that they say, sent went well. Yeah. Mm. Episode 23. Not that long ago, we were sour bitches. 
Um, so obviously it was sour drinks. I explored the wonder world. <laughs> Try that again. I explored <laughs> the wonderful world of sours with a Z. Z. Uh, I discovered that the Sours marketing team were brave enough to let their Facebook audience choose their next flavour. Can you remember what flavour it was their Facebook audience picked? Mango. Damn it, you weren't meant to remember that. I know, it just came to me out of the blue. <laughs> All the way through that question, I knew what you were going to ask, and I was like, was it raspberry, was it strawberry, was it melon, was it what? And then, oh. as soon as you finished, it came to me like a bolt of lightning. I was really hoping you wouldn't remember, because we talked about a lot of Sours flavours. Like the original apple, and then we were talking about some of the discontinued ones that we hadn't even heard of. And then some of the weird ones that they've concocted since. But yeah. Gutted you remembered that. <laughs> Quite pleased with myself <laughs> for that one. <laughs> you do. You do look very smug. <laughs> Always. <laughs> oh. Okay. Uh, in episode 24, we found out the iconic image of St. Bernard's with little whiskey barrels around their neck was a myth mm. inspired by a painting by Edwin Landseer. So we talked about dogs and barrels instead. Can you remember what's in a dog's nose cocktail? Oh, yes. Yes, I, I, I looked into this. I, I did this. It was Guinness, like warm Guinness, and a shot gin. Yeah! Yeah! We're both having a late surge. We've gone through that period where of, like, tipsiness. We're like, oh, I don't know, I'm so giddy, into... um. Alcohol-induced <laughs> truth. We've gone completely into Veritas. And we're now like, yes, I now have all the knowledge at my fingertips. <laughs> yeah, warm Guinness. Because I remember reading, <laughs> when I was researching it, I was looking at recipes. And like the recipes were, put some Guinness in the microwave, put some gin in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the modern recipe, sure. Yeah. There was, it was mentioned in Dickens, as ever. Dickens loves to talk about booze. Uh, as warm porter and gin. Uh, yeah. In that episode as well, though, I did. I chose not to ask you any questions about this, but I just wanted to bring it back. That that was the episode in which I introduced you to Diogenes, uh, <laughs> one of the most hilarious philosophers. So I thought I'd just give you a few more quotes to keep you going. Mm -hmm. um, he said, What I like to drink most is wine that belongs to others. <laughs> yes. Next one is, when I look upon seamen, men of science and philosophers, man is the wisest of all beings. When I look upon priests and prophets, nothing is as contemptible as man. <laughs> and then finally, um, when someone reminded him that the, the people of his city, people of Sinope, had sentenced him to exile, his response was, and I sentenced them to stay at home. <laughs> and I feel like that's particularly relevant right now. And I sort of yeah, Jesus. understand why he felt like he got the better of uh, those two deals. Oh, Diogenes, what a lad. <laughs> I 
I'm, I remember that episode I did feel, again, like I needed to add to my ever-growing list of things to do. And it was to learn more about that absolute lad. Mm-hmm. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> you really surprised me. Mm. We're on to my, my last question. Oh, ready? I am ready. It is the Shakespeare one, so oh, no. no pressure, but don't fuck it oh, up. No. If I well, if I don't this... get this right, do I lose my master's degree? Does it get revoked? Yes. Yeah. So I prepared a question that has absolutely nothing to do with Shakespeare. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I'd still get it revoked if I get it wrong. But if you get it if you get it wrong, I have got a Shakespeare esque question to ask. Okay. Actually, I don't have it written down on me. I'll try and remember it off the top of my head. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be fine. <laughs> that'll be fine. I'll 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 do my best. Right. Okay. The one I've written down. Uh huh. <laughs> Can you remember the fantastic name of the Williams and Humbert Sherry? No. <laughs> um, I mean, I know you like we talked about sack, sack being sherry. Is that what? Is that what you you're not ask, you're not asking for just sack, are you? You're asking for a brand name. No. Yeah, brand name of the Williams and Humbert, uh, Williams and Humbert Sherry. <sighs> Dirty sack. Low hanging sack, <laughs> salty sack. Is it dirty sack? <laughs> um, man sack, hairy sack, um, spicy sack. Um, it's a sherry. Oh, okay. So it's, it's nothing to do with sack. <laughs> You're halfway there, but it's a sherry. Sherry sack. Sack, sack, <laughs> sherry. Sherry, ooh, <laughs> baby, Sherry. Do you know what's happened? On my Zoom, a little notification just popped up saying, are you playing music? <laughs> no. Yeah, I did. I know it's asked, it's asked me if I want to set... up and say, stop saying sack. <laughs> it said, set up professional audio, <laughs> audio settings. <laughs> Interpreted what I did, just did as professional. Um... <laughs> I'm halfway there. I'd like to think that that's really just patronising from Zoom. <laughs> yeah, sorry, you trying to make music. <laughs> what are these sweet tones? <laughs> Please stop. Ah, uh, so, so I, I was sherry. like, yeah. You are so close. You're halfway there, but think sherry. <laughs> I I've forgotten what train I was on now. <laughs> <laughs> you were saying sack a lot. Yeah, <laughs> dirty sherry. <laughs> Ball bag sherry. Sherry the ball bag. You can keep saying Zach. <laughs> oh god, this is painful. <laughs> Finding your clues confusing. You can keep saying sack, but it's sherry. Yeah. I said sherry sack, sack sherry. Yeah, but think of sherry, other words around sherry. Fortified sack. Barrel-aged sack. <laughs> sack. Nope. Um. <laughs> I want to say stop, but I also don't. <laughs> Shez's sack. <laughs> Are you done? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
It is dry sack. Mm. <laughs> Your hints on sherry confused me because I was on the money with sack. I mean, you've worked in bars. Somebody orders a sherry, you say sweet or dry. No one's ever ordered a sherry in a bar I've worked in. <laughs> I used to work in a Warner's hotel, so... Right. <laughs> That's why. Right. Yeah, no one's ever done that. Can I have half a point for sack? Well, I'm going to ask you my off-the-top-of-my-head Shakespeare question that might go horribly wrong. Okay. And uh, So, false stuff. I, I spoke about... Um, men- oh, well, actually, no. <laughs> I've already answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, my my building of the question has answered it. <laughs> Great. Is the answer false stuff? Anyway. <laughs> no, I was going to say I, I I talked about sack a lot during um during the Shakespeare episode, and Falstaff was known to be. A fan of booze, and he said, "If I had a thousand sons, I would ensure that they were addicted to sack." Yeah. <laughs> what a cunning question! That's why, kids, you should plan ahead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really is. <laughs> oh, I feel like I definitely deserve half a point for all of that. Yeah, I think you deserve half a point for shouting confidently fortified sack at me. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I enjoyed that question. Oh, that was your last one, was it? Okay, it's my for my last one. Mm-hmm. Finally, in episode 26, we took a swing at the sexism of mummy juice and celebrated female pioneers of wine. Can you name one of the innovations that were brought in by either Barb Nicole Clicquot or Madame Pommery? Not to put the pressure on, but there are quite a few options you could choose from, and I'm only asking you to choose one. If you don't get it, you are a misogynist, so... I just remember, during that episode, I went on on my own little, like, daydream about Verve (laughs) when you were talking about Clicquot. Uh, so they innovated something. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it's something like Verve Clico innovated some kind of bottle stop cork thing to preserve the bubbles in the fizziness of champagne. I'm clutching at straws. <laughs> Wow. Um, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was not one of them. Um, above Nicole Kiko, Verve Kiko, Pink Champagne. She was the first one to do that. She was the first woman to run a champagne house. Um, Pomery, you could have had the, that she bought out the chalk caves and stored all the champagne in the caves. Uh, she produced the first brutes for the English market, so now added sugar. And she also brought in retirement and health funds. There's one more thing that you could have had as well, that dead husbands seem to be the thing that everyone had in common. Pioneering, right. make sure your husband dies young so you can take all the business and then start innovating for yourself. That in itself is an innovation. And I'm pretty sure at that point I said I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. Shit. Yet another... 
um, barb at Chris for this episode, but yeah. <laughs> I can't give you anything for that, because... Um, None, no. Well, well I, you came you last ask on me, because I'm going to take Chris to wherever he's got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is the end of our quiz of um, the year stuff. I mean, when you look at it like that, we... Um, we talked about a lot of stuff. I, but that's the thing, you know, right back when we, when we started this episode, you said, I'm pleased that I can come out of lockdown and say that, you know, no, I've not learned a language, I've not done this, I've not done that, but I've done a year's worth of podcasts and I've learned a lot of stuff. But I can't say that because <laughs> I can't remember any of it. <laughs> hmm. Just because you, you learnt it, at one point doesn't mean you remember it. <laughs> you did learn it. It's just now not with you right now. <laughs> it's, it's never with me again. I mean, neither of us came out in full glory, to be honest. Out of um, a potential 13 points, uh, I finished on eight and a half and you finished on six and three quarters. Wow, we suck. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we need to pay more attention to ourselves. <laughs> Maybe that's the moral of the story. I think it might have something to do with the fact that we drink every time. Every we time we do this. it, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so uh, there's some uh, bonus material that I wanted to let our listeners know about. Normally, when you do a pub quiz, there's always a music round, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, we can't do a music round. This being a podcast. So what we thought we'd do instead is create a couple of playlists. So it's like you can listen to the music and pretend you're in the pub, either for the music round or just as a jukebox thing. Um, So we will put the links to a couple of Spotify playlists in the description of this episode. I've put one together called Thinking Drinking, Tim's Sip It Mix which is a mix of tunes that you can relax to, sip your whiskey or whatever it is. It's mostly a mix of blues and folk with a couple of um, left field entries thrown in there as well. Uh, Illyri, what did you do? (laughs) I did uh, a playlist called Illyri's Chin It Mix, (laughs) which is a collection of songs that are perfect for binge drinking, doing shots, repeatedly punch in the air etc very good and also whilst I was putting that playlist together uh, spoiler alert there is a song on there by the Beastie Boys Fight for Your Right and if you listen not that carefully right at the start it kind of sounds like they shout Janet (laughs) brilliant I like that at least after a year we've very firmly established our brands (laughs) Like, we know where yes. we sit within this podcast. <laughs> and yeah, if you're I, in any I, um, doubt, listen to these playlists and you'll figure it out. Yeah, if, you, if you're having a nice, quiet glass of wine early afternoon, evening, listen to Tim's. If it's one in the morning and you're pouring tequila, why, why not? <laughs> See, that's according to your biorhythms. I would say I'm more likely to listen to yours at about 7pm to get me going. And then I listen to mm-hmm. mine at about 11 when I'm sort of done with it all. <laughs> oh, that says a lot. Right? It does. Yeah. <laughs> probably says I've got a problem. 
Oh. <laughs> anyway, we hope you enjoy those. Yes. Um, so kind of like that's, I mean, that's, that's it for the year. Should we, should we do another one? Should we do another year? I'm up for another year. I've got loads of stuff to talk about. I'm definitely up for another year. It's been really fun. Uh, I've really enjoyed I've really enjoyed doing it, being given the, you know, the excuse to be nerdy and go and research some stuff and then drink and talk about it and stuff in place of what I always used to use the pub for, which was to go have a drink and talk about some nerdy stuff. I've just had another great idea. We are going to go to Ghent and we're going to do a podcast episode in Ghent. Well, we're going to start doing them around the place. Yeah, I think this is the hope that we can start doing some live as it were, sessions mm-hmm. out in places. Uh, see what Imagine. it see what it brings us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not we're not tied to this format at all. It's early days, so you can see what it brings. Fun. All right. Well, our glasses have run dry, which means it's time for me to claim the quiz winnings of eighteen pounds seventy six pence in change plus ten percent off a Sunday roast. While Leary has to get the next round in and question where it all went wrong. So, cheers, everybody! <laughs> cheers. She knows how it was. Wherever I may roll, or land or sea or fall, you can always hear me sing in this song. Show me the way to go home. Uh, you know, you said the glasses have run dry. Mm. I've got half a bottle left, so I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I mean, it's not dry, but that is the end of my Prosecco. Really? Yeah, oh. I've got half a glass left. Oh. That's it. I've got two beers on you, though. So mm. Go and get two cans. But I'm not done. Like, this. I haven't had... Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got more. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not done. The podcast is done, but I'm not done. <laughs> I think for the sake of everyone listening, we are done. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, the recording's over. 